This is Author Talk, presented by Author House, the leading provider of services to help authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Author Talk is a show about new books and the authors who wrote them. It's an opportunity for prospective readers to hear directly from the writers, to hear what inspired them to write and publish, and to hear all the inside details about their books. Here is Author Talk. The title of the book, Hop On. As the journey begins, and the author is Patricia Smith Nelson, and Patricia, and along with her husband Carl, joins us now on Author Talk. Hello. Hi. Great to have you with us, Carl. And hello, Patty. Hi. Thank you for calling. This is very instructive. All you teachers who are listening or those who know teachers need to uh, take this for a great, great educational book for teachers. Uh, I want to read what Patty has said about her book. She says, Hop On As the Journey Begins is the first in a series of four books written for kindergarten, first grade, and second grade teachers to give them some fresh ideas that will make learning fun and exciting for young students. These ideas are simple, effective, and straightforward. Well, before we get in and talking about some of the details that are in your book, Patty, tell us about yourself, your background, and how this book came about. Okay. Well, when we, um, Carl and I married in high school, and, um, or I mean, we married when we were in college, and I was, you know, working on my teaching degree, and when we moved to Sedona, the superintendent um, said, I think I will put you in kindergarten. And I had never thought about, you know, being a kindergarten teacher. I just thought about being, you know, in primary school. And she put me in kindergarten. And I found out after starting kindergarten that it's the most important year because you can set the stage for those darling little boys and girls to have fun learning and know how important it will be in their life. And so I loved teaching kindergarten here in Sedona for 18 years, and that's why I decided to write a book series because I know in my heart that that's where you can set the stage for the children in our in our society to know how important learning will be, you know, in their lives. And so that's why uh, I decided to, you know, write the series. At the beginning of your book, you talk about a mission statement. Now, I think in general we know what a mission statement is, but as far as the the focus of your book, what what is that about? I truly believe that um, learning is very important for children, to, you know, to grow and mature and learn how important it is to have knowledge for their lives so they can make a difference in our society and to be good citizens. And I wanted to make learning fun for them so they would know how important it would be in their futures. And so I loved teaching kindergarten for 18 years to set the stage for these children. And so that's why I uh, wrote the book series for teachers, so that other teachers could have fun making learning fun and and knowing how important it is for 
that their children to enjoy learning and knowing how important it will be in their lives. You have a lot of cute illustrations. Uh, that was, I guess you got some help from your sister-in-law on those. Yes, and I love the one little girl um, on one of the pages that she has set, the little girl, uh, you know, that she illustrated in, on the page, Oh, teacher, I hope you like us. <laughs> <laughs> now, so she has a lot of really cute illustrations, you know, in the book. And I think, uh, I know as a kindergarten teacher, kindergarten teachers like cute little things, you know, because that's what these little kids are. They're cute, and you want to make it fun. Whenever I go into a classroom for that age group, it is a whole new world. It is a, kind of a magical world. And you spend some time in your book about preparing the classroom and the atmosphere and the declarations or the decorations and the bulletin board. Uh, tell us why that's so important and, and some of your ideas on that. Well, you know, I, I feel like kindergarten is probably one of the most important grades because you set the stage for those little guys and gals, and you want to make it fun. And uh, instead of being, you know, hard and, you know, being, uh, you know, we had, I taught in a Christian school for a year, so I learned a lot of really good techniques to use without the Christian words, you know, to teach the children to be good citizens and know how important it was to, to be a good citizen and to learn and how important that would be in their lives. And so I made, I tried to make it as fun as I could. And if uh, I had a heart on the uh, chalkboard in our classroom, and if uh, like three children were gone, we would, uh, you know, were absent for the day, I would put their names in the heart and we would um, write their names in alphabetical order, you know, like Susie or Alice or John or whatever. And so when they came back the next day, or, you know, whenever they came back, they would see that their name was in the heart and that we missed them. So I wanted every child to feel like they were missed and they were very important and we were happy that they were back and then we would sing, we're so happy, we're so happy, Susie and John are here today or whatever. And I tried to make them feel like they were very important in our classroom and they were missed when they were gone. And by alphabetizing... Uh, she really, they didn't even know they were learning how to alphabetize. <laughs> mm. So I tried to make learning fun for the kids, you know, and um, I, you know, I tried to make it fun to, for them to know that it was important, you know, that they learn, but, they, but to have it be fun, not work. And you shared these ideas with other teachers already, and you've gotten a lot of great feedback from these kinds of uh, special ways to treat children. Well, you know, uh, teaching that first year uh, in Sedona at a Christian school gave me a lot of ideas that I did not learn, you know, when I was in college, uh, you know, because um, I didn't use the Christian words, but I could use the Christian ideas, you know, because that way, you know, it would make some people upset or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, there is that 
political correct today. It seems to be too much of it in the schools. That's for mm-hmm. sure. That's for sure. But it, it, uh, I'm sure you have to work around it, like you were just talking about. Now, how do how do you how did you best deal with discipline problems? Uh, you talk about that much of the way you treated the students reduced the discipline problems. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we first of all, if somebody was absent, you know, we would. Uh, when they came back, they would see their name was in the heart, and then we would all sing, we're so happy, we're so happy Susie is here today, or whatever. And so I wanted to make each child feel like they were very special and they were missed, you know. And so I tried to, um, you know, so we, I just enjoyed making each child feel like they were very important in our classroom. And then when everybody was there, on a special day, we would sing, we're so happy, we're so happy, we're all here today, you know. And just, I just wanted to make it fun. And I got a lot of ideas from the Christian, uh, you know, the year that I taught in the Christian school without using Christian words because, you know, that might not be uh, good for some people, you know, wouldn't like that. But uh, I got a lot of ideas from uh, from that Christian uh, curriculum. So I used those, and and when the kids came back and saw their name was in the heart, you know, that made them feel important, and I wanted every child in my classroom to know that they were important. Steve, another thing that I would say is that during the first two weeks of school, she taught the children what they could get away with and what they couldn't. And then she was very strict about that during those first two weeks. And so they knew what their boundaries were. And by the end of the two weeks, she could just have normal classroom days, and uh, discipline didn't seem to be a problem after that. Now, your book also has photographs, and not only of the classroom, but of the bulletin boards, just to give people uh-huh. ideas, and then you have illustrated ideas for projects. Well, and you know, I think teaching uh, you know, primary children that visual is very important, and they need, they need that, and they need, uh, you know, uh, teachers to give them inspiration and you know, and then if if you were absent and then we you came back the next day and we sang to you, then that made that child feel important, you know. And I wanted each child to know in my classroom that they were missed and they were important and we were happy that they were back. In your book, you singled out the month of November. Now, why November? Well... November is, you know, Thanksgiving, and then you can be thankful, you know, for, you know, being being thankful that you have, you can go to class, that you have all these friends, that you're learning, and that you're, te- and then you can teach children that they can be good citizens and they can be uh, good friends for each other, and they they're, you know very uh, lucky that they're in a place where they can learn and be who what they're capable of becoming. She actually had a uh, turkey come to class. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's in one of my books, <laughs> and that was fun. And all the kids got to uh, one of the parents had a a pet turkey, and that was so much fun, you know, for the pet turkey to come to our <laughs> classroom. And um, so I tried to make it fun, as well as uh, learning is is good for them, you know, to learn to have fun learning. So, and then if you were absent, your name was in the heart, and you knew that we missed you. So, everybody in our class was um, very important, and and each week we had somebody special in our class, and that was one of the children. And then each kid would get up and say why they thought Susie was somebody special, or Johnny, or whoever was somebody special person. And I tried to make them feel that they were very important and you know and we all uh wanted to be really good friends and have a good you know year together and i wanted them to know that how important learning was for them for their future this book is the first in a series of four books it's titled Mm -hmm. hop on as the journey begins tell us about the other three books hop on jump in uh, climb aboard and soar. And at the end of the school year, I wanted them to soar, you know, into knowing how important learning was for them and how it would be for their lives. And so I tried to make learning fun, not work as much as fun, you know, and how important it would be in their lives. What's the best way to get this first book, Hop On As the Journey Begins? You can get it at Author House. Get it at Author House and, of course, yeah. uh, get it anywhere, any retailer, whether it's a walk-in store or on the online, just by putting in Hop On As the Journey Begins, people will Author be able House. to find you. Right, people will be able to find your book. Mm-hmm. And it's got all these cute little illustrations, you know, that my sister-in-law did in Colorado, and I'm here in Arizona. And um, so uh, I wanted to, because I know kindergarten teachers are real visual, you know, and they like cute things. And so there's a lot of cute little kids in the pages on the book, uh, in the book, so that um, it will inspire teachers also. And I wanted to inspire teachers to make learning fun, not work, but fun. Fun to learn, not to, you know, be hard or and all that stuff. And we had, like I told you, we had a heart on the board. And if Susie and, and Johnny were, or whoever were absent, we would put their names in the heart in alphabetical order. And so they were learning alphabetical order without realizing they were, you know, learning. And when they came back, their name was in the heart. And then we would sing to them, we're so happy, we're so happy. Johnny is here today or whoever, you know. And I tried to make every child feel like they were missed and they were important. And we, you know, wanted them to be there every day if they could. Well, I'm certain you did, and probably you'll, you'll never be forgotten. Can I just interject one thing? I, I'm an architect here in Sedona, but um, I became known as the kindergarten teacher's husband <laughs> because she was such a good teacher. And, Thank you, Carl. <laughs> and all the uh, 
you know, the parents that had kindergartners wanted their child in her class. I can see and why. I was, more, I was more than happy <laughs> to be known as the kindergarten teacher's husband. <laughs> well, congratulations on your book. We Thank you. We thank you for joining us on Author Talk. Well, thank you very much. And I just want you to know one thing, that my husband and I are high school sweethearts, and um, I put him through his last year of, of college because I graduated. He was the year ahead of me, but I also uh, architecture was five years, and you know, education was four for me. And so we've had a wonderful life, and he was very supportive in my classroom. And whenever, you know, I had a patriotic program, he always sang, I'm proud to be an American. So we've been, you know, really good for each other through our through our uh, marriage. And we've had a wonderful marriage, and uh, we, we've really enjoyed our, um, you know, our careers. Well, great for each other and great for all the kids. So thank you. Great to have you with us. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much for calling. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House, helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Little Pine Trees Awakening, a story I wish my parents had read to me and my author who joins me from the great state of Utah in the United States, Angelina Ellett. Welcome, Angelina. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to visit with you. This is a charming looking book. I, uh, I'm guessing from the subtitle, it looks as though your parents didn't read to you very much. Is there any hidden message in that subtitle, a story I wish my parents had read to me? Well, it's not so much what my parents did or didn't do for me, but rather what I want to do for my own children. I'm a mother of eight, and there's some certain topics that I just really want my children to understand and learn while they're young. That's and incredible. I feel like I I could do that through some of these stories. So it's more for my children than what my parents are did or didn't do for me. Well, with eight eight kids, you already have a runaway bestseller if you sell one to each of them, almost. I mean, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> How long have you desired to be an author and actually put things into print? Some parents, you know, tell their kids stories and, and never get to the point of actually putting it into writing. Well, you know what? I'm not one of those authors that have dreamed of it my whole entire life. 
I basically had an idea come to me last year, and I sat down at the computer and just started writing, and it just flowed, and I loved it. And that's where I decided, hey, I think I want to do a series. If nobody else bought my books and my children alone read my stories, I would be successful. Well, that's that's a wonderful motivation on its own. The title, Little Pine Trees Awakening, I'm presuming from that and looking at the wonderful artwork inside the, the covers, that Little Pine Tree is your main character. Yes. And how did that character come about? Just inspiration? Yeah, actually. I, I, I had this idea of a little pine tree who was curious. Maybe it is a representation of some of my children, but... Uh, Somebody who was a pine tree that was very curious and determined, and he recognized that other older pine trees had all these beautiful ornaments on them, and he wanted to find out how to grow his own ornaments, and so that's how the story begins. He's on this search to discover how he can grow his own ornaments. Your book, so. your book is twenty six pages or so in in length, and many of the children's books in that uh, that size range are mostly mostly illustrations. You have a, a great deal of dialogue in your book as well for a book of that size. Uh, is there a specific goal that you had in mind, um, a moral to the story that you are trying to get across to the reader? Well. I can't really say that it's a children's book. I think it's geared more for children of age eight and older. It's mm. an, an, an adult story as much as it is a children's story. But the goal of writing the book and how I have it written was to create a story with dialogue that you could actually have a discussion with your children after the book is finished. And so I have some questions following the book that you can really have some great discussions with your children about certain topics that I felt were important and it they're open to interpretation across the globe. I mean, I didn't specifically say this is what I wanted you to get from the story. Right. I wanted it to be open for parents to discuss and give their point of view with their children. One of the uh, questions that you uh, you suggest or one of the discussion topics is uh, this t- this phrase, why did little pine trees' words expressed to the skimpy tree have a negative effect? Uh, what is that referring to as far as uh, cultural, culturally? Well, it had a negative effect. What happened in the story was a little pine tree learned from Grand Pine Tree that in order to grow an ornament, you need to help somebody learn a new perspective or help somebody with a service, something to enlighten both of you. And so here he had Skimpy Pine Tree walk past, who was a pine tree with shabby, um, with a shabby scarf around her trunk and her pine needles were falling off. And he basically said to her, hey, you would do a lot better if you wore a big, thick red scarf to keep you warm instead of that, you know, old torn blue scarf. And she kind of bowed her head and said thank you and walked away. And there he sat there waiting for his ornament to grow, and it never did grow. Hmm. So he had to run back to a grand pine tree who helped him through a conversation realize that he was offering his opinion instead of actual wisdom. Hmm. And so there's a there's an opportunity right there to discuss the difference between one's opinion versus actual fact. Actions speak louder than conversation. 
Yes, often. <laughs> I was going to use then words, but that's kind of cliche, so I don't like cliches. <laughs> I, I hate them with a passion. Oh, no. Anyway, Angelina, the, the, the story itself, you say it came to you in an inspirational manner. How long did it take to get the main story completed and get it fleshed out? Well, the first inspiration I had, I was having a conversation with a friend, and they were going through a major life transition, and they just felt stuck in their life, and this... Uh, metaphor of being stuck in the mud came to my mind and I helped explain to them, look, you're going to stay stuck in your life until you can decide to make a choice to go one way or another. And from there, I say it was about a week later, this idea of the pine tree story came into my mind. And once I sat down to the computer, I had it written within 24 hours. Wow. It like just flooded to my mind. And so after that, I just had to make some minor changes and find an artist for the illustrations. But the story itself, I almost feel like it wasn't my story. Like it was downloaded into my head. And <laughs> I've never had that experience growing up. In high school, I had to like fight to come up with a story for English class. This just came to me, so it was so fun. The illustrations, as I've mentioned, are quite nicely done. Was there any complication or challenge you had to overcome to get those to match the storyline and really flesh out the total look of the book? Oh, absolutely. I used a 16-year-old girl whose name is Josie Sagers, and um, I hadn't met her before. I was friends with her father, and he recommended her, and we lived about 200 miles away hmm. from each other. So we only met a couple of times in person, and the rest was, you know, through emails. And her vision of the story was a little bit different than mine, but once I saw her characters, I fell in love with them. I think they're so darling, and I think she did such an excellent job. And once we got the story put together, I actually did have the book published. And when it came back to me and I, I saw the book live, there was definitely some changes that we needed to make to make the illustrations fit the text a little bit better. But once we got those squared away, I, I'm really satisfied with the final product, and I know she is too. Uh, she did a fabulous job. I, I'm, I'm absolutely shocked that it was a, a young teen, as, at least from my perspective. I'm old, so every, everybody under... 30 is young, uh, but but a 16-year-old artist or illustrator has done your book, and a fabulous job. It really conveys the message, I think. It does, and, and I know that she's looking forward to a career in that sort of a thing, and I'm hoping that this will help her as much as it will help me give her some publicity, so... Well, exceptional. Have you had any opportunity to share this with a broader audience, uh, like a school group or a, a larger group or maybe some other parents? And uh, if so, what has been the response so far? Um, actually, the only ones that I've sent it out to, which it was actually kind of scary for me, was my book club. Hmm. Um, there, you know, they tear apart books, and I actually had a really good response from them. The very first comment that came out of one of their mouths was that was very creative and for me that made me feel really good but um they liked having the discussion questions at the end they they liked that it's a short story you could read it 20 to 30 minutes so you really could have a family night and have some great discussions do you think that is the one thing about your book that maybe sets it apart from other books that are are targeted towards the 12 year old uh, audience I think so. I do think so. It's a great learning opportunity, and I wanted to use it as a tool for my kids and other children 
it has some great messages just about uh, being responsible, responsible for your own happiness, learning to um, give service or help others so that you both grow and you're both edified. I, I think sometimes we overlook that nowadays, and it's, this is a good tool to help reinforce that. Because it's about a Christmas or a pine tree, is this a seasonal book, do you think, or is this one that will have legs all year long? I've had people ask me that question, and the truth is it would make a fantastic Christmas story. It really would. But it's not a seasonal story. It's a story that has universal truth. So it can be read throughout the year and really for all ages. One thing I'm noticing about the illustrations, very few snow scenes, so I, I'm guessing from that it could be at least fall and spring uh, because of the uh, the style of the uh, the illustrations. In retrospect, is there anything about the story that you think, maybe I could have tweaked that a little bit better or might have changed? I really do like the story. If anything, I would have liked to expand a little bit on some of the concepts, but then again, I want to leave it open for parents to put their own opinion and put their own spin on how they want to present and talk about some of these topics with their children. Good thought. So it's kind of yes and no to that question. Angelina, since this book is now in the marketplace, uh, what are your goals for the future? Do you have something else in the works? Yes, absolutely. I've actually written my second book, which is called um, Bugsy Bop's Double Vision. And in this book, I have two main characters again, which is a butterfly and a, a bunny rabbit. And this book deals more with emotions and learning how to stop the flow of emotions, especially negative emotions, before hmm. they get out of control. And I think it will be a great sequel to this book. It sounds exciting. Yeah, it sounds like a book I need. Yeah, it's fun. I think I need to read that book. I think it will complement it very well. (laughs) This one is titled Little Pine Trees Awakening, a story I wish my parents had read to me. My guest has been Angelina Ellett. Uh, Angelina, there are many of my listeners who may want to get a copy of this. How do they do so? Well, they can go to the website, which is www.littlepinetreesawakening.com and order one from there. Uh, there's no apostrophes in that. It's just straight letters, www.littlepinetreesawakening.com, and they can order from there. Excellent. This is a, a great start. I uh, wish you well in your future, and thank you for sharing the background story into this particular uh, aspect or this particular project, Little Pine Trees Awakening, and uh, best of luck with it, and also... I hope to hear from you in the future about the the next release when it comes out, and uh, hopefully we've uh, talked to the next Dr. Seuss, or maybe uh, (laughs) Mama Seuss. (laughs) For, uh, For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker. You're listening to Author Talk. We'll be back right after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived. 
and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Author Talk, brought to you by Author House. Helping authors publish, promote, and sell their books around the world. Greetings for Author Talk. This is Jay Douglas Barker. The book is titled Adult Conversations. Oh boy, this could be interesting. The title is uh, one that may be misleading. Our author joins me from St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands. It's Robert D. Collins, Sr. Welcome, sir, to the program. Thank you very much, Jay. I appreciate you uh, letting me be on your program. This is an interesting title, Adult Conversations. That could go in a whole lot of different directions. You have uh, penned about 116 pages. What was the the, uh, the concept behind Adult Conversations, Robert? Actually, the title itself is a play on words. Um, once you read the book, you understand what Adult Conversation is about, but the concept comes from a book that I read 30 years ago called What Do You Say After You Say Hello? It's a book by Dr. Eric Burney, and he's the one who developed the concept of um, adult conversations. Um, and the con- the content of your book, you have basically, are, they're, they're, they're short little uh, uh, life excerpts perhaps conversations that someone could have in life uh they're easy to read they probably are less than a a page or about a page each you have 53 of them at least in the book you have things uh titled things like passing it on writing to work uh you have uh, things about haircuts and hair pieces and so on and so forth which of these stories or these ideas do you think uh is going to be of interest to the reader well i believe all of them will be of interest because they uh, have their, each of them um, are unique, but they all point back to the concept of this book. And I use, when I decided to write this book, I did not want a boring how-to book. So what I did, I used the concept that I got from the book, which is Parent, Adult, and Child, in his in his book, he explains how everybody has these ego states, and you have to be in one of these ego states at one time. And he went on further to explain, uh, called it transactional analysis. And basically, what that means is every time you talk to somebody, you have a transaction, and that analysis is just a way of analyzing how that transaction took place. Uh, can I give you a quick um, background on how this works? Yes, please do. Okay. Um, everybody has the three ego states. And, for example, the parent is the ego states that gives commands, directives, instructions, and so forth. For example, it, the parent may say, do this or don't do that. Get up. Or go to bed. I told you so. Why don't you listen? Be careful. Don't you want to um, listen? Stop. Keep moving. And these are all examples of the parent. And people that may have a strong parent is like police officers, mm-hmm. school teachers, 
um, nurses, um, bosses, all these people have strong parents because they have to say something and expect you to respond. Um, officers, uh, naval officers, commanders, all these people have strong parents. Also, a child. A child is your emotions. Basically, that consists of your feelings, laughing, laughing crying, passion, sentiments, excitement, reaction. These all make up the child. And the child, and these parents, the parent and child are developed from the time you're young. They're like recordings. Mm. But the adult, the adult is what we develop on our own. And mostly we develop that through reading. But you can also develop it through experience. Um, someone may speak something into your spirit and then you retain it. So that's where the adult comes from. And everyone has a strong parent and child, but everybody does not develop the adult. Um, so that's why I decided to write this book. Now, would you describe the adult thinking uh, or uh, situation as one that is uh, rational in its, in its approach rather than emotional? Exactly. The, the adult is, is the one that analyzes. He's a problem solver. He's a rational thinker. You know, he listens with an open mind. That is all part of the adult. And um, eventually you want to get to that point instead of reacting emotionally or just giving, like, directives, you know, parent, you know, do this or do that without really thinking it through. Do you think that the emotion should be eliminated in a person's uh, conversation style, or is it still something that should be a part of the whole makeup of the real person? Oh, it has to be a part of the whole person. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a child or a parent. You know, they're very necessary in certain situations, and there's nothing wrong with it. For example, a comedian, his goal is to hook the child and his audience and make them laugh. You know, that's his whole lifeblood depends on that. So, no, there's nothing wrong with having the three, these equal states because we all have them. The point being to know which one you're in and why. Because sometimes you might have a breakdown in communication and you don't know why, but if you have this tool at your disposal, you'll be able to analyze what, what happened in the conversation. Uh, one type or one area of conversation that's difficult for most people to navigate is a spouse or or a husband-wife scenario. Do you have any of those listed in your book? And if you do, share one of those maybe incidences that might relate to our listeners. Uh, a very simple um, one is this. Uh, a husband may be getting ready to go out, and he says to his wife, um, I can't find my keys. Mm -hmm. Do you know where my keys are? And the wife could respond to her parent and say, if you put them where they belong, you wouldn't have lost them. Of course, that's not what he wanted to hear. Or she could have responded in her child and say, no, I don't know where your keys are, so don't blame me if they're missing, you know? Right. You... Uh Go ahead. No, go ahead. That, that, that's that's certainly uh, uh, something I can relate to. in her adult and said, no, sweetheart, I don't know where your keys are, but I'd be glad to help you look for them. And that's what he was looking for. The right. 
I, I like the say I like that 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 response you just uh, recounted because I've been in many of those conversations myself. I have a tendency to lose my keys, so uh, I probably respond to the child uh, as a child would when we get into those scenarios. Uh, what is the the easy way to begin to learn how to communicate properly, or is there one? Uh, yeah, yes, there is one. You know, um, I would like to say this though. Um, I have another example I would like to give. You sure. Know, when um, I was watching a TV program, and my daughter snatched the remote out of my hand, and she went running away from me. Now, this is a show I really wanted to see the end, so I was chasing her. And meanwhile, I was my child was being hooked because I was getting angry, I was getting mad. And if I had caught her, I would have gave her a good spanking. But... I decided to sit down, cool up. When I did that, she realized that the chase was over and she came back and gave me the remote. I said, look, um, Annette, not today, but tomorrow we're gonna talk about what happened. So the next day I went and I explained to her the parent, adult, and child eagles, and how she was in her child when she snatched the remote, thinking it was a game, and she would not, I could not hook her adult because she didn't know about their concept. After I explained this concept to her, it's been working marvelously between us. And she's the one who actually gave me the title to my book, Adult Conversations. Wonderful. And your daughter is uh, still a, is she not a teenager yet, or is she a teenager? Oh, no, she's grown now. She's she, grown. <laughs> she's in last year of law school. Oh, my and goodness. She, <laughs> yeah, and she, she still uses the concept up to recently i was getting a heater about something she says to me dad is that your child so she uses it on me now now she's probably going to use it in the courtroom it sounds like she has learned yeah. learned well yeah yeah i hope so and robert how long did it take you to complete the scenarios that you have uh, penned in your book um that's a good question jay because i've been procrastinating about this book for years Mm. Um, I, I remember people walking up to me, a good friend of mine said, look, I um, said something to my wife and she's mad at me and I don't know why, and, but worst of all, he didn't know what to do about it. I knew in my spirit what was going on, but I didn't know how to explain it to him. Uh-huh. So I've been procrastinating for years. I said, I gotta write this. Cause if you tell people about it, sometimes it goes in one ear and out the other. So. Finally, I saw a commercial on TV with Arthur House Publishing, and I called them, and they told me, okay, this is going to cost you $1,800, and you have to make three payments. Um, so I said, okay, if I'm going to pay for this, I'm going to start writing. Yeah. So every morning after I made that contract, I got up and I forced myself to write a story. And then, of course, later I will go back and check it but every morning before i went to work i will write a story and it took me about six to eight months once i stopped procrastinating and put my mind to it and who is your audience who do you think is going to find this beneficial i'm assuming mostly adults but uh, do you think this might spill over into other family members as well oh yes you know i think the biggest audience will be our husband and wives but of course it, it goes to husband, I mean, parents and children, because a lot of parents don't know how to talk to their children. They want to tell them what to do and expect the child to respond 
accordingly. But sometimes you have to hook the adult in that child. Mm. And they all, we all have them. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are. You can hook the adult in any person if you know what to look for and how to do it. I guess one way to describe your book would be thought-provoking essays uh, in the short version that will get people thinking about the more effective way to communicate. Exactly, because you're not going to learn this overnight. But hopefully, if you use my book as like a reference and you see stories in there that you actually been in, situations that you actually been in, you can see how I resolved them. Hopefully, you'll learn the technique because now, to me, it's second nature. Second nature. You have and, um, uh, you have fifty three fifty three essays or short stories or short uh, vignettes that you have penned. Uh, are you expecting to maybe do a follow up book, Robert? Uh, yes, it has crossed my mind because I have a lot more stories, and you know, uh, and most of these stories are from experiences, and I could see as I sit back and look back at them how I did not handle those experiences um, properly. So, yes, I am thinking about a follow-up book in the future, and I just hope, though, um, this this book helps people uh, to communicate better with, with um, in their lives. Wonderful. Robert, thank you for joining me and sharing your story. The uh, title of the book, again, is Adult Conversations. My author, Robert D. Collins, Sr., has joined me from St. Thomas and the Virgin Islands. Uh, someone has to live there. Sorry, it had to be you. Um, now, Robert, where do, my, where, do my get, where do my listeners get a copy of your, of your book? You can get it online. Um, three major bookstores, Amazon, Doc, Amazon um, Barnes & Noble, and Arthur House publishing. Fabulous. And they also can request this from their local bookseller if they choose. Uh, this is a, a book that's an easy read. You can read a little bit at a time and use it as a reference book if you choose. Robert, have any of your uh, readers left comments for you on any of the sites? Yes, they have. If um, you have an opportunity, go to Amazon.com and look at the reviews that the readers that have read my book left. I have um, five-star reviews on uh, on, on those reviews. Fabulous. Again, the title, Adult Conversations. Robert D. Collins has been my guest. Thank you, sir, for being a part of today's show. Thank you, Jay, for inviting me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. For Author Talk, this is Jay Douglas Barker.